It was very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock way out to sea. Perched on top of the rock was the most miserable little shack you could imagine. A toothless old man came ambling up to them, pointing, with a rather wicked grin, at an old rowing boat bobbing in the iron-grey water below them. After what seemed like hours, they reached the rock, where Uncle Vernon, slipping and sliding, led the way to the broken-down house. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of Wanderlust, a podcast where we, four Harry Potter tour guides from our very own ministry known as Tour for Muggles, are unable to tour in the real world. So, to try and stay in work, we're giving an audio tour, removing ourselves from the streets to your very ears. We'll travel chronologically through the book locations, discussing each one in depth. Today, we're going to uh, to locate the glamorous metropolis known as the Hot on the Rock. Stick around, and we're discussing where it was filmed, where it might actually be, and some logistical questions we would very much like to know the answers to. Our team is producer Steph Black, who is a Slytherin, and a real wizard. Tech wizard, that is. Knowledgeable Nicholas Ollivander, who is a Gryffindor. Not to be confused with nearly knowledgeable Nicholas Longbottom, who will be on the mic today. <laughs> I didn't approve of this speech before. <laughs> Sorry, I altered the script. I, have that I, I see what you've done there. <laughs> also on the mic is me. I'm Greta Granger, Hufflepuff and proud, ready to chat to you about some ancient muggle superstitions. And of course, another round of Potter or Notter. And also joining me are... Oh, hello. Uh, I am Will Hagrid. I'm a Gryffindor. Um, you can't see me, but I look a great deal like Cornelius Fudge. Um, and I'm actually a, uh, a boat captain, so I'll be talking about some nautical nonsense. I'm Nick Longbottom, and you can't see me, but I'm absurdly handsome. I'm a Ravenclaw, <laughs> and uh, I'm not a boat captain, but I do know a few things about dolphins. And I'm Alex Scamander, and you can't see me, and that's for the best. Um, uh, <laughs> a little bit of self-deprecation with my podcast. I'm a Hufflepuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, of course, Alex I'm... is dazzlingly handsome. <laughs> oh, he stop. Is. Oh, stop. Um, but, yes, I'll be talking about the book versus the film, uh, because that's just what my brain thinks about all the time. Uh, so enjoy. Yes. Where was it filmed? Well, so it's quite hard to find any information about this because it turns out no one really cares about the hut on the rock. <laughs> um, well, not until now. No, yeah, apart from us, obviously. I, I rewatched the scene because uh, initially I thought it was a completely CGI, but I rewatched it. It kind of looks like it probably is a real, ro- uh, like real rock um, with sea. But the hut itself, of course, is CGI. That's the thing that looks most fake to me. Um, <laughs> But honestly, CGI. I, yes, yes. Um, and and they certainly couldn't find anything uh, on where it was. It's so strange. Uh, the interior would have been the studios, of course, um, because most things were uh, during the series. And it would be very odd if that was the one exception that they found an actual shack uh, that they could film inside. Going away from that, I obviously love to talk about the differences between the books and the movies. Now, there's obviously quite a few differences between how the book deals with these events, how the movie does. Of course, in the book, it's a bit more of a drawn-out affair, you know, because it starts off with all the letters coming to Privet Drive, Uncle Vernon going a bit mad, um, and then initially deciding to go to a hotel. And I'm sure some of us may know where this hotel is supposed to be. Cokeworth. Yes, which may be become relevant later on in the series of podcasts. To tune into 394th podcast <laughs> to find that out. I mean, imagine that. That's Christmas be... special, Cokeworth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, 
And then obviously in a hotel, they get more letters. Then Uncle Vernon goes a bit mad. And he goes on quite the journey uh, around the country. Just some of the locations he goes to. He checks out a forest. He checks out a ploughed field. A multi-storey car park. I feel like it's a sad thing for Uncle Vernon that the internet didn't exist back then. It's a weird uh, safari of the UK, really, isn't, isn't it? it? It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. His plan for a multi-storey car park is the least logical. Because <laughs> there's no yeah. shelter. And it's yeah. in the owl's natural territory because he's higher it is up. Odd, isn't it? Like, it's what very is... film noir, though. You mm. can imagine going into uh, individual parking spaces and like stopping for ten minutes and then coming out again and going to another yeah, yeah, level. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. It is. It's yeah. quite fun. And I and I kind of understand why the film cut all of that, of course. But it does make <laughs> it seem so strange because. I think Dudley's best line ever is "Daddy's gone bad, hasn't he?" Um, yeah. That line comes after all of that in the book, um, which kind of makes a lot of sense because I remember my my dad reading that line to me, like "Daddy's gone mad," and it made my dad laugh hysterically. That line, really? So I, yeah, I always remember that quite vividly. It's oh um, sweet. Oh that, well, that, yeah, it's such a brilliant line. I think also yeah. Harry Melling does deliver it brilliantly in the movie. But this there's real comedic value in that sort of jump from. Uh, Uncle Vernon in the film going, oh, we're going to go far away. Then suddenly to most dramatic scene of this hut on the rock <laughs> with the sea. But I, it's one of those occasions where I would love to know what it's like for those viewers who have never read the book. Because that is such a extreme turn for the movie, mm-hmm. in my yeah. opinion. Because well, I mean, Vernon's all... a lot more decisive. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I guess it's, so. it's rather than driving around going, maybe here? No, maybe yeah. here? No. It just, it's almost exactly like he's premeditated <laughs> that idea and got right yeah. up on the rock, I know a place, and then yeah, he's yeah. just yeah. taken them there. Yeah, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Maybe um, he owns it. Maybe it's been bequeathed to him by some sort of uh, pirate maybe. ancestor in his life. Yeah. If he doesn't own it, then um, it's possible he's going after squatters' rights. This was mm-hmm. very yeah. much a thing in 1991, and you could have done it. Um, the, um, uh, it's, for those of you who aren't up with uh, UK land law, uh, squatters' rights <laughs> you are... You fools. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Uncle Vernon's plan may well be to stay in the hut on the rock for 12 years, at which point he owns it. <laughs> so it's, he was right. essentially the first person to go to the Winchester and wait for this to all blow over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was the first one who came up with that plan. Yeah. You can see why they didn't take that direction for the films, for <laughs> seven so, more of them exactly. just living on the island. Yeah, and um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, as I said, in, in the films, it cuts sort of straight to this uh, wonderful rock. Welcome to the rock. And I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not the first time I thought of that. But also, yeah. it doesn't really mention where his gun came from, which in, in the book, you get a little hint of it. Well, I but... thought this, I mean, we were going to, I was going to talk on this later, but like, does yeah. Uncle Vern have a gun license? Where on earth, how was he able to just acquire this gun in an mm. afternoon? Because mm. he's not a farmer. I bet he has. Oh, you do? And who he was he going to shoot? The oh. postman? Or the owls? Was that his plan to shoot that the owls or what? Well, in case of dark witches and wizards um, approaching the island, I imagine. He imagine doesn't know if what... Voldemort just turned up and he just shot him. And then it was <laughs> and the end of that be... Yeah. Alternative well, take, so, um, where, so where, yeah. where was it filmed in the end? Did we decide in the studio? Oh, no, I, I have no idea. It's, it's strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't know. Oh, no. Ultimately, we have no idea, people. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it, it's uh, really annoying. Where it was filmed right. is what I'm talking about. Obviously, where it's set is p- perhaps a different story, but I'm sure we're going to get well, to that a bit later. I do know it was far away where they can't find us. <laughs> oh. And it's at sea. Um, but all of my research suggests that Surrey is landlocked. 
So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I sort of tried to, to reason it backwards via trains um, because of okay. how they get to walk to, uh, to London from there because it says that it describes the journey they get into London. And so I was mm. like, well, which trains can they get from wherever it might be? And I mm. found this website, so I can't take credit for this, but it's called Mad as a Fish. And it goes into it, like forensic <laughs> detail of like the trains they could have taken from wherever it was. Um, wow. I'll just read you a tiny extract to demonstrate the level they've gone into. Uh, so yeah. it says, I thought that Vernon's Island must be off the coast of Kent or East Sussex, and Harry and Hagrid caught a mainline train to Waterloo and then changed onto the Northern Line for Leicester Square. However, that doesn't work because trains from Kent and East Sussex would go to Waterloo actually go on to Charing Cross, and you would expect them to just get out there and walk via Trafalgar Square instead of changing the underground. Uh, and so on and so on. So basically, he reasons that uh, Vernon's Island must probably be off the coast of Essex um, okay. because the train journey makes most sense. Um, and he okay. narrows it down even more specifically <clears throat> to Blackwater Estuary, which is north of Southend and east of Chelmsford. Uh, and geographically, there's lots of small islands, including tiny nameless ones. That's so, very, very fun. There's also a legendary uh, discussion of where the island is on the Harry Potter lexicon. For yes. those of you who don't know this website, it's glorious. It's it's mad, geekish, uh, in-depth yeah. discussions of lots of uh, very specific Harry Potter things. It's, it's it used to so be my worth. source of Harry Potter knowledge back in mm. the early noughties, I think. When I yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I and MuggleNet. Does anyone remember MuggleNet? MuggleNet. Oh, yeah. Oh, MuggleNet. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, uh, she she goes into lots of things. She um, uh, her real name's Paula Hall. I had her down as Ravenclaw Rambler. His name sounds a bit realer than your name, Greta. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know lots of Ravenclaw Rambler. Greta's middle name is Paula. Thank you, producer Steph. Oh. My middle name is Paula, and that was a secret I was keeping from the world. It's because my dad's called Paul. So thank you, Papa C, for doing this service. Yeah. And my middle name's Ravenclaw. So that's really weird. <laughs> my middle name's Rambler. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ravenclaw Rambler um, is her name. So, did she narrow it down? She narrowed it down to what, five locations, was it? Yeah, and her methods are great. Mm. One of her main methods is the amount Vernon Dursley could row of, of, of working out how far away the island would be from the shore. I don't think Ravenclaw Rambler fully takes into account the power of Uncle Vernon's madness at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or indeed, the the crazy amount that human beings can row. Because let's remember, Uncle Vernon did, I think, has already torn out a bit of his moustache. Yeah, um, he is on the yes. I think it privatised. Pain so, means yeah. nothing to him at this point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Two people managed to row across the Atlantic in 1896, 68 miles a day. Wow. Um, hey, hell. someone asked me if I'm going to go into the difference between miles and nautical miles. Are you going to go into the difference between miles and nautical miles, though? No! Oh. I've gone with land miles. Oh. It's <laughs> I'm really disappointed now. Oh, um, didn't go how I expected. <laughs> no. I have been completely uh, lampooned by Will. <laughs> gotcha. Um, my point is, Uncle Vernon can row a lot faster uh, and a lot further than Ravenclaw Rambler gives him credit for, even in the mm. weather conditions. Her other gauge of distance is potentially much more accurate. Um, she goes on what Harry's likely to be able to see from the shore. There's actually a massive Reddit thread on Harry's height. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, can't, I can't just let you skim past of that. Of course there is. <laughs> there of is a Reddit thread is. on Harry's height. Yep, and a Quora thread. They come to different conclusions. Um, Reddit takes into account things like um, Draco's a bit taller than Harry, 
and he's exactly the height of Narcissa Malfoy and mm. how tall's Narcissa, that, that kind of thing. The okay. big clue both mention, though, is that in Half-Blood Prince, Hermione mentions that Harry has grown by about a foot over the summer. So Blimey. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. a foot. Long. A whole foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In I mean, like it's, it's most unlikely. Um, six weeks? Yeah. Hermione cannot gauge I? her How tall her am I? Yeah, maybe Hermione isn't as clever as we thought. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> that's, that's the real conclusion of all this maths. But if you read slightly further on in the chapter, JK says, they clambered up the stone steps onto the street. So at the point where they first see the island, they're actually some distance above sea level. Do you think she ever gave it this much thought? Do you think it's like J.K. Rowling ever (laughs) actually thought, you know? No, this is us having fun. Um, And we are. With maths. To work out the likely height of the harbour wall, I, um, I, I focused on the word they. They both clamber. Harry's small, of course he'd clamber up steps. Hagrid is a half giant. It can be assumed that the steps are at least slightly bigger than Hagrid's uh, stride. Hagrid's height described on a uh, on, on his file from Deathly Hallows Part 1 is 11 foot 6. If you multiply that by 0.413, you get 4 foot 7, which amusingly is exactly Harry's height. What that means for oh. this is you double Harry's height to get the minimum height of the harbour wall, which means he can see at least 4 miles. Yes. Dun, dun, right. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for some Not sort of. Oh, Miles! Who's the murderer? Just tell us who did it. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. Uh, no. <laughs> it massively widens the field. Just for fun and larks, <laughs> I did then go through her list of possible contenders, which is still a really, really, really good list. Um, mm. And I, I Google uh, Earth them to see if they have harbour walls. <laughs> Interestingly, and? the one that she comes down on as the most likely, uh, Bessac Rock, just off Hale, has no harbour wall and no steps to speak of. Ooh. I also had a look on this, Ooh. and yeah. on surfacademy.co.uk, which uh, <laughs> talks about surfing in St Ives, she, they put up a picture of Bessac Rock, and it's nowhere near out of the water enough to have a hut on mm. it. It's more just like a slight raise. So I, too, <laughs> contest her idea that it is Bessac Rock. Why Why would he have an island? Like, is there specifically a reason he chooses an island to hide on? Well, because there's this well, old... I don't know whether this is in, in, on that site or not. I read it somewhere recently. But there's this old myth about how uh, witches can't cross water. There is. Oh. There is. I actually did a little bit of looking into this as to whether... No, you did not. I, I did, guys. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it. So it's actually mentioned that by JK that Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon, in pure desperation to get away from the letters, they fall back on this myth and um, that magical folk cannot cross water. Now, she stresses mm. that it's actually witches that cannot cross water. But bearing in mind, of course, men can be witches too. So this yeah. applies to, to all the genders. And I tried to look into a little bit where this has come from. So Stephen Fry in the documentary, Harry Potter and Me, do we guys remember this? Yeah, yes. Oh, not well, but I remember it's watching. It's a yeah. blast of, from the past. It came out in 2001 <laughs> and it's absolutely incredible. Producer Steph reminded me of yesterday. It's just wonderful. And Stephen <laughs> Fry basically says that the books are connected and come out of the fabric of English history and folklore. 
And this mm-hmm. is definitely to do with the water. So has anyone read the book Melius Maleficarum? Oh, oh, my God, no, which I'm scared of it. For I, a bit no, of no, light reading. Pointedly, I haven't. <laughs> well, producer Steph has, so... Why on earth would you read... It's it's not really a page-turner, is it? It's a massive tome of historical it's torture. It's, 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 a, it's a book, of, a, a genuine book of dark magic. It is yeah. quite terrifying. Reading, well, it's how to identify <laughs> witches, isn't it? It's a bit of light reading, as Hermione would say, but it was very yeah. popular. It was written in the 1400s. It had about 28 editions. And you're, you're right, absolutely right. This was basically a manual for witch hunting. Now, I tracked down a 1920s translation of the book, and it says in here that you can banish witches with holy water. You can throw it on them, and apparently this will make them confess that they are mm. witches. And this idea of water as a weapon is something that's actually stuck quite a bit. So you guys probably obviously know about the witch trials where they would throw women in water and see if they floated and yes. they were witches. Um, yeah, yeah. There's also people will put holy water on the steps to try and keep out witches. And there's actually Catalan folklore where if they threw water on witches, it would supposedly wash off, I don't know what makeup, I don't know what it was, and it would reveal <laughs> the big on their makeup witches. They the mascara of sin. That green stuff they wear. Well, yes. exactly. So it was supposed yeah. to wash it off. And this is supposedly where they got the idea for the Wizard of Oz, where they throw water on her and she goes, mm. I'm melting. That's supposedly because Spoilers. they threw holy water on her. What does she go again? I'm melting. <laughs> It's my audition. <laughs> it's a direct quote. If there are any casting directors out there who are casting, <laughs> I am available. I will put my agent's details on the website. There's also the idea of water being a, a barrier as well, which I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have heard of this. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, but apparently the what they would... barrier. <laughs> yes, and, which and is famously... Around Rivendell. They could not cross yes. the Thames at Rivendell. But this this appears in things like the Grimm's fairy tale of Hansel and Gretel, where the, obviously the the brother and sister they go to the witch's house, and apparently after they spoiler alert kill the witch, they have to cross a body of water to get back home, and supposedly that's because that water represents the barrier between the real world and the magical world. Mm. Oh, yeah. well, it's like running water and vampires and stuff, isn't it? It's, it's um, the same thing. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing. Is Blackwater yeah. Estuary on the list in Lexicon? Because I didn't discover this no. trove. No, it wasn't actually. So Well, I'm pretty furious about that actually because uh, I'm convinced it's Blackwater Estuary. And, Do you want to make um, that your Potter or Notter? Do you want to officially announce it as the Potter I, of the Week? Yeah, I would <laughs> like to do that. I've forgotten how the game works, but yeah. Uh, it's a very straightforward game. Yeah. There's only two options, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. And I've forgotten both. It's a 50-50 um, chance. I also have many questions, many other questions when it comes to the Heart on the Rock, such as how did Hagrid get to the island? He just said flew in a chapter. <laughs> he flew, yeah. But as in like yeah. what, motorbike? Did he use his umbrellas like a Mary Poppins kind of Powder. deal? How did he how did he fly? I think that he Well, I'm gonna go with my theory that it's in Blackwater Estuary. <laughs> because in Blackwater Estuary, there are many sort of wildlife species around, okay? Uh, there's the hen harrier, one of the rarest birds in the UK. And my theory mm. is that Hagrid is really good with, like, animals. And there are very rarely dolphins spotted in the region's coast. I think Hagrid had managed to summon all of these dolphins together into a little kind of, uh, you know, crash of dolphins. You think he water-skied on dolphins to... Do you know what, yeah. you know what f- flew means, right? Yes. You know dolphins don't fly. What? It's it's a metaphor. He's yeah. like, I flew. Yeah. 
And I have some maths of my own to prove this theory. Because <laughs> dolphin squared to the power of seven, which is a magical number, times magic minus probability <laughs> well, actually, Nick, equals Hagrid. Actually, I have a little maths that might dispute this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was doing this not for dolphin reasons originally, but it applies to this as well. Um, but for sort of general nautical considerations about the safety of the boat. So yes, uh, Hagrid's weight uh, is listed as two hundred and eighty-nine pounds, which makes him rake thin. Reddit again points out that a weight of about a thousand pounds or seventy-one stone is much more likely. Seventy-one stone, Nick. That's a lot of dolphins. Mm. Yes, I see your point. Um, I'd like to uh, change my theory. Be well, I do. I do you like the idea. Whale. I, and it's similar to one of my theories. Is that? But I thought it was something like um, a magical creature, like say Thestrals, where mm. Hagrid had a foot on a, 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 a Thestral. You know, two so two Thestrals that he's standing on. Yeah. Um, you mean with, those skeleton creatures with yeah, no body yes, mass to them? Keep with me here. Um, and there's quite <laughs> Shut a up for a second. <laughs> just, just let me just uh, explain my crazy theory. And there's like quite a few Thestrals in front, like a sleigh. Uh, he's got like uh, a, a rope around all of them, and yeah, he's just flying through the air, and he lets them all go back. Because I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of magical properties. I, I don't think it's. I think it's more likely they can carry Hagrid than. Dolphins. No offense, Nick. Well, I am offended, and um, I. My problem with that is that, like, firstly, if he has a sledge, where does the sledge go? Oh, he doesn't. Um, sorry, I think I explained it badly. I'm saying that he's standing on two thestrals, like oh. a foot on each thestral. But then he, because the thestrals are like harbingers of death, aren't they? Because you need to have seen death to see the thestrals. Yeah. So, like, I'm pretty Hag sure Hagrid can see them. Ah, yeah. but in tarot, the death card means change. And that's certainly what Hagrid is bringing to Harry. Hello. Wow, that's a oh, that's... tenuous connection, but At the still. same time, <laughs> I do love the image of Hagrid arriving like Mary Poppins, I'll be honest. Yeah, yes. with the umbrella. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, Maybe it's it also quite dismissive, I think. I think because several dolphins died on the journey and he's a bit embarrassed, so he's like, oh, flu. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And he's like, mm. yeah. what are those floating things, Hagrid? <laughs> uh, like, rocks. No, yeah. no, Harry, don't look at the sea. Once he... Got off the thresholds, he was then like, I don't need you like, anymore. And they back to fly Hogwarts. Away. Back to Hogwarts with you. Yeah. That's uh, what I reckon. Because there's also the, the the related problem of how the Dursleys then get off the island. Um, ah, yes. Yes. Because well, uh, Hagrid has taken the boat. Yeah. Uh, it is so, quite vindictive, isn't it? It's like, this will teach them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, he also illegally uses magic on the way back. He, he just mm. sits and reads um, the newspaper while the boat takes them back. Which, again, for nautical reasons, is lucky because the um, <laughs> uh, their load is in no way correctly arranged. Harry's very light and Hagrid's incredibly heavy. Well, I so in terms of how the Dursleys got back, I think there's something really interesting. It was actually, I'm sure it's in that lexicon article. It was, it was sort of at the bottom, and I checked the book to see uh, whether it was right. So yeah. when Harry gets sent back to the Dursleys from London after they've he, he's been to Diagon Alley, mm. they go to Paddington, which, going back to one of the original discussions about where it is, that mm. does certainly imply it's in the southwest somewhere because most trains from Paddington I believe go sort of in that direction also Cardiff as well I think okay. um, it also makes loads of sense with the JK Rowling connection because of course yes. she's from down that way right. um, that's, right. that's why yeah, Hagrid yeah. has his voice um, right exactly yeah, yeah. He reminded her of uh, Cornish bikers 
Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe he flew the bike there to the island. Yeah. And then and then well, forgot. Why wouldn't you take it back? That yeah, that's quite obvious. Yeah, that's like what you would initially think. But yeah, where does the bike disappear to? And why didn't they use it again? Actually, to to a, a mad theory I had. Now, this is almost certainly wrong, but it's fun. It could be on the northeast coast of the UK. Somewhere like Robin Hood's Bay. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of rocks out that way. Yeah, Cokeworth is supposed to be in the Midlands, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I always thought Vernon was just carrying on north, or mm. vaguely north. I didn't, it seems odd that he came back south. If that is the case, then uh, the rock in the sea is in specifically the North Sea, which puts right. it very close to Azkaban. Oh, it is visually. It's very similar in the movies, isn't it? Like mm. the, the two images, they really are quite similar. Yeah, very, very uh, much so. And who's in Azkaban? Sirius? A lot of people. Well, yes, lots of people. But yes, uh, specifically serious <laughs> at this point. Oh, or a random dog, as some people call him. <laughs> or, or a random dog. Yeah, you could just be a random no dog evidence that he is not a random dog. But yes, could Hagrid have combined a um, a returning Sirius's bike? Um, <laughs> with uh, a short hop over to the hut on the rock. It's an interesting theory. I he does like tend that. to combine like his trips to see Harry with very important top secret activities for the school. Yeah. <laughs> so he's always like, don't mention this to anyone, Harry, but I'm doing this really secretive thing. So, he's a great uh, multitasker, is, is Hagrid. He's, he, is. he loves always combining all these things he has to do. It's, it's sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to sort of finish my original point with the whole Paddington thing. So in the book, it says that Harry's going back to the Dursleys. So there's no apostrophe in it, meaning he's not going back to the Dursleys' house, which is how I think most people would interpret it. But he's going back mm. to where the Dursleys are. So I strongly suspect that the Dursleys have been left on the island. And it's actually Harry who goes back. In the boat. So they've been there basically that whole day, which <laughs> oh, is not a that's huge harrowing. amount of time. It makes well, the most sense, though. Um, it'll, it'll probably help smooth things over yeah. a little bit from what had just happened to the Dursleys. At least they can't be too mad at Harry because he actually kind of helped them in the end. Not that I ever stopped them from being nasty to him, but you know what I mean. Mm, uh, at least they can't do bitter. I mean, they have a rough time, the Dursleys. They are, like, fairly horrible people. But they they are, like, if you told the story from their perspective, they are marooned on an island. Um, yeah. Vernon is dragged out of a window by a flying car. Their house is overrun with owls and Aunt Petunia has to wear, like, mice. It's horrendous. There is what I thought about this about Dudley's perspective. So I thought like book one could be like Dudley Dursley and how did I get this pig's tail? <laughs> <laughs> a classic tale. How is the pig's yeah. tail removed? Oh, there's Surgery. a bit in the books. They they, they go yeah. to a hospital, don't they? And they get it surgically removed. Which, Doesn't um, he also have ears in the book? Am I misremembering this? I'm pretty sure it's not just the tail he gets in the book. At the end, he says something like, you could give him, threaten him with a nice pair of ears to go with that tail. Oh, yes, so, um, he does. But again, is that not just yeah. the film? I, 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 haven't, I haven't read let's, the book. Let's up. <laughs> you haven't read the book? What is Harry no, Potter? I, I have, of course I have. Yeah. Oh. Okay, let, let, God, the let's outrage there. <laughs> For years I've lied to you all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is crazy, isn't it? I mean, poor old Dudley, sort of after when, when Harry comes back from Hogwarts, is probably suffering from major anxiety the whole time. Post-traumatic stress. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lovely scene right at the end in the seventh film that they cut which uh, had uh, Dudley revealing that he actually 
you know, cared a bit more about Harry than he'd ever let yeah. on. They cut it from the film, but it's a nice scene. Which, if if um, Nick, if you'd read the book, would you would know it's also in the book. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they got that from, but it's a really original idea. <laughs> you know, PTSD stands for post traumatic swine disorder in Dudley's case. <laughs> <laughs> when you get a pigtail and yeah, oh, very good, yeah. very good. Um, I I thought that it was just a bit more mundane than that. That it, you know, Vernon was like, if you haven't heard from us in twenty four hours. Um, Someone come and save us. Probably Marge, because she she mm. could come down with her bulldogs. She could float and down. I can't imagine oh, yeah. Vernon's that that logical at this point, isn't he? Going, he's going a bit mad, hasn't he? I can't imagine he's planning that well. That's true. Yeah. For some, if, if I don't know. Going to save them, it's the toothless man they get the boat from. <laughs> well, Who is, he's the real suspect in all this, isn't he? I think yeah. so. We met him fairly early on. Yeah. This is the other mm. contender, of course. He could be a, a member of the magical community, um, which would explain a lot. I think JK wants us to suspect him, and I think there's something else going on there, and I think that might explain the, the toing and froing. Yeah. But the grin, the fact he gives a wicked grin when he points points at the boat, I think is a clue as to uh, to the fact that he probably wouldn't have helped. Because I feel like he's taking some kind of pleasure in them, in, or at least in Vernon's misfortune. He probably has a much nicer boat rather for them. <laughs> yeah. He's not giving it to them. Uh, yeah. Probably what he picks them up in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Bernard's like, "What is this? How long have you had this boat?" Popping champagne. Yeah. He wanted this one, did he? <laughs> but it is because in the book it says that his the supplies he has is four packets of crisps and four bananas. So, like, he what's his ultimate plan? Because he's out there in the middle of a storm. They're going to draw out of resources quite quickly. So they're just going to eat Harry or something because oh, they all the dolphins. But you keep or going vestrals. on about Nick. There's a lot of meat on or... vestrals. <laughs> That's true. Invisible if you can get them. Invisible, invisible meat on vestrals. <laughs> yes, yeah. Invisible vestral meat. Um, I'm I'm sort of uh, siding with um, Scamander's theory, actually, the, the vestrals, because I I'm losing faith in my dolphin theory by by <laughs> well, the moment. So, just for it the also... image, I'll I'll go with that. Uh, oh. I like the idea of oh. Hagrid gliding along like he's propelled by you know nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is one other mystery in all of this, um, and it's very much along these lines, and that is Vernon Dursley's mad nautical skills, his his, his mad sailing skills. Um, the miraculous thing is that the boat is still there after the storm. It's specifically described yeah. as still being on the rock, uh, or rather tied to the rock, which is <laughs> almost impossible. <laughs> um, to do that... Uncle Vernon will have had to, at very least, have tied a passable bowline. Yeah. They're hard. He really should have uh, attached the boat in several places as well. And to know to do that, he needs prior experience. Yeah. It's weird. We don't know much about his life before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a Boy Scouts. Do we? Maybe he was, at one point, a sailor. Maybe. <laughs> I agree. In an episode on the origin of, uh, of Vernon Dursley's... Yeah, yeah. skills. Yeah, maybe it was a team building right. exercise at the drill factory where they had yeah. to tie yeah. knots for each other, and this is now finally coming in handy. Yeah. We're ignoring the possibility, of course, that Hagrid might just be lying for effect. What they just swam over? <laughs> it was actually quite boring. <laughs> yeah, or... <laughs> I flew. Yeah, I, you'll never oh, know. I almost drowned. I mean, I flew. I flew. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Thestrals. Oh, I'm going with Thestrals. Oh, cool. Oh, also, Nick, what did you, what did we decide on the location in the end? Well, I main I maintain that it's Blackwater Estuary for several reasons. Uh, one because of the trains, and also I feel like that's a it sounds like the kind of place they go to because it's dark and you know desolate and uh, 
Blackwater Estuaries sounds like the kind of place she's describing. And you said that's in Kent? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's in that's, K- no, that's in Essex. In Essex, oh, okay. Yeah. And can you get a train from Paddington there? Yes, he can. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> a a direct said, train? Yeah, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> I, based on no evidence and uh, fully, fully aware <laughs> that I'm probably wrong, I'm going to say yes. I've heard. Yeah. The trouble with this podcast is that people keep asking me things that I obviously don't know, and it leads to <laughs> me looking stupid, and it's an absolute fix-up. <laughs> um, well, well, I, okay, I like so your theory, out of the, <laughs> So out of the Potter or Dotter, that is your... your that's, uh, I think Potter, it's a Potter. It? Yeah. Great, great, good. Do you know? Do you know like the ultimate answer? I don't. I have no idea. I don't think anyone knows really. Apart. So from what a waste of time this debate's been. <laughs> <laughs> to sum up, no one knows. Dear listeners, um, we apologise. <laughs> I mean, I, don't know, I, I like Alex's and my Nazi theory. I, yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's a contender, especially if the Horizon maths is wrong. Yeah. Um, of the contenders that Ravenclaw Rambler mentions on the Lexicon website on on her essay there, um based on my own additions to that about harbour walls, the most likely is probably Burnham-on-Sea, which has a raised wall and steps and a direct connection to London. So Sturt Island would be the rock. Witches wouldn't yeah. like that, though, would they? Burnham-on-Sea. <laughs> burnham oh. <laughs> 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 oh, Still got Very, 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 very good. Thank you. Well, just for that pun, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think it is. Just I've based got on no facts, but I got yeah. fun. <laughs> That's all I look for. So, um, just to leave you on a final Harry Potter fact: if you are a fan of Harry Potter music out there, and of course many of you must be, did you know on YouTube there is a two-hour-long Harry Potter piece of ambiance music, which you can put on whilst you're cleaning or studying or just being quarantined and having nothing to do? There's actually lots of different ones, but there is one dedicated to the Hut on the Rock. It's got a lovely melody of mixture of storm, the creak of the hut, and the crackling of the fire that Hagrid starts. So type in Hut on the Rock ambience on YouTube in niche. Come up. Enjoy. <laughs> what fun. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Very nice. Also, thank you so much for listening this week and tagging along with us to The Hut on the Rock. Now, if you enjoyed following Harry's journey with us, then don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, so you can catch up with us next time as our wanderlust takes us to everyone's favourite pub, The Leaky Cauldron. Hey! So so order a butterbeer, grab your finest pink umbrella and get ready to tap some bricks. Mischief managed.